Well, it's great to be back with the Christ Journey family and to be gathering on our campuses, Kindle Campus, Gables Campus, Church Online Campus, the campus right there in your living room or wherever you're connecting with us online. We invite God's blessing to be real and rich for you. And I want to say thank you to the church family for the opportunity of being away for a few weeks with my family, uninterrupted, undistracted, just quality time together. And in fact, if uh, my brilliant grandsons, West and Cedar, are watching right now with Lolly from California, I just want to say I'm thinking of you, praying God's blessing for you, and had such a great time with you. So thank you for being here uh, and connecting with us today, wherever you're making that connection. Okay, and here's how I'd love for us to begin. Would you repeat after me? Nothing is too hard for God. This is so significant for us to remember every day we live, but as we gather today, because our hearts are moved for the suffering, the suffering we see in our world, so much of it in so many places, but today I want to make mention especially for those that are suffering from natural disaster, and here close to home, our friends and partners in Haiti, and then those that are suffering from human disaster, um, and uh, there's plenty of that around the world, but especially those in Afghanistan. And toward that end, I want to make mention that I know, I was told just this morning, that we have relatives of members of our church, one that is serving in the United States military on the ground in Afghanistan right now, so our prayers for him. And then we have another who is in the air going to Afghanistan right now on a relief mission to get more people out. And so I want to say, let's pray for Christ's journeyers wherever God takes us, that we could be part of the solution. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, speaking of that, I got to ask you this question as we begin today. What is the greatest thing that you could ever do with your life? What's the greatest thing you could ever do? Now, there's a lot of ways to fill in the blank on this one. You know, you could get an education. That's a great thing. It's important. You can make a million dollars. Today, people make a billion dollars. That's a pretty great thing, I suppose, you know. Um, or you could uh, survive disease, survive cancer, survive COVID, survive calamity. I mean, just staying alive is a pretty great thing to do. What's the greatest thing that you could do? How about cure cancer? How about uh, discover a cure for the diseases? Would that be great? Yes. The question is, What's the greatest thing you could do with your life? For somebody, you may be praying that you could marry your true soulmate. That would be a great thing, right? You could have a family. You could uh, have such a long, healthy life that you could see four generations in your family, you know? You're like, you see your kids and their kids have kids. That's a pretty great thing. That's why they call it great grandfather, great grandparent, and you have great grandchildren. That's a great thing, right? And uh, speaking of family, I got to say it's great to be together on Family Worship Day as Christ Journey Campus and uh, all, all of our campuses to be celebrating family today. And in fact, I have a picture of our newest newborn in the Christ Journey family. This is Andrew 
uh, Mansour. You can see him there with his family, mom and dad, happy and proud sisters. And then right next to them, we have, this is a four-generation family connected in our midst. We've got great-grandfather Visiani, and then grandparents Bob and Aida, then daughter Emily. Uh, Diesel was in a picture we saw earlier today, and they've recently dedicated themselves on behalf of little James Anthony. So family is a great thing that we celebrate. And students, our students, our teenagers are significantly a part of our family and our heart at Christ's Journey. And so we've got, you know, the camps that we just came through and the retreat that we celebrated just a moment ago and hearing from our young people. These are great things. And the question is this, what's the greatest thing you could do with your life? Having a great teenage experience, very important in life. How about this? Coming to know Jesus Christ as your Savior in the forgiveness of sin, in the assurance of heaven and eternal life. Is that a great thing? Yes. We celebrated with 34 people yesterday who were crossing the line of faith and saying, yes, we are buried with Christ in baptism to rise and walk in newness of life. This is a great thing we get to be part of. But what's the greatest thing that you could ever do? Is it giving your life for your country? We have some who are doing that? Is it giving your life in political service? Is it giving your life in public service? That being a first responder, this is great to be a firefighter, a peace officer, somebody who on the front line seeks to put themselves in harm's way so that other people can benefit from it. That's a great thing. There's so many great ways to answer this question, right? But what's the greatest thing that you could ever do? For somebody, you get up every day of your life and spend most of your waking hours trying to succeed in business. That matters, that's a great thing. And not only for your success, but for the success of your employees, because when you succeed, so do they, and they can then provide for their families, and they can make for a better world, you know? And not just making a dollar, but making a difference. That's a great thing. But what is the greatest thing you could ever do? Jesus has an answer. And it may be something you're expecting, but maybe not in the way that he is thinking. Jesus responds with something so magnificently superior that it supersedes every great thing that I just mentioned. And yet it is so fundamentally basic, it is so foundational that it is deeply connected with everything that I just mentioned. What's the greatest thing you could ever do with your life? Jesus says, the will of God. Would you say that with me? The will of God. The greatest thing that you could do. Pastor George Truett said one time, to find the will of God is life's greatest discovery, but to do the will of God is life's greatest achievement. What's the greatest thing you could ever do? The will of God. But in every area of your life, in every arena of your life, in every square inch of your life that you could experience the fullness of the will of God, relational, vocational, recreational, and imaginational. Just imagine this, you get up every day and you say, Lord, every day, in every way, God's will be done in my life. Now, as soon as we say that, as great as it sounds, here's what every teenager, every young adult, I bet you every person at some point in your life knows that this can be very confusing when you're a believer and you're trying to figure out what is God's will for my life. So for the next few weeks together, this new series is designed to help you 
with that. I'm not going to connect all the dots for you. That's what God wants to do with you on your Christ journey, that he wants to bring you into how the piece. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to try to say, well, here are the pieces that, are, that fit the puzzle, and then what are you meant to do with them on your journey? Now, for many, and myself included early on, for many to say the will of God for your life is like saying, oh, great, put me in jail. <laughs> you know, you're just taking all my fun away right now. Sometimes that's what people think about when we say, well, do the will of God. And immediately they think about rules and restrictions that are going to shut them down or hold them back or, you know, put them in jail and take them out of the fullness of their potential, limit their opportunities somehow. It's like uh, God's will is a break that is always saying, stop, 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 don't do that. It's like God is watching and he's just waiting till you, he finds you having fun and then he says, stop that. Some of us have learned how to think like that, that God is the great break in life. Jesus doesn't think like that. Jesus doesn't talk like that. Jesus speaks more of it like an, an accelerator. And I got to tell you, back in my early Christian, uh, when I was just learning how to walk with the Lord, I remember thinking, now, God, do you have a will for my life? Yes. Do you have a will for my wife? Yes. And then I'm immediately thinking, oh, my, what if he picks somebody I don't like? You know, what if God picks somebody that I don't find attractive and I'm supposed to marry her to show how much I love God, you know? You know what that thinking is? That's a break. That's saying God's going to interfere and spoil my life. Let me show you what God did. He gave me this wife. Look at my, look at my Lisa. I'm telling you, <laughs> I am super attracted to this woman. And this is God's choice for my life. It's like, oh, God, you're awesome. No, he's not a brake. He's an accelerator. He says, put the pedal down, full throttle, seize the day, carpe diem, don't miss this. Jesus thinks of God's will as an accelerator, a door of opportunity, where God's will for your life is the X that marks the spot where the treasure is. And you're supposed to dig there and not miss this. It's like, imagine this, your life is like a very expensive, high-performance vehicle, like a Ferrari, and it's got potentials just waiting to be unleashed and then hit down the highway, right? But who better to know how to develop and deploy those potentials than the vehicle's designer? So you know what I did? I called up the collection here in Miami, and I told them that I was interested in taking a test drive of a Ferrari. You know, just to see what I said, you know, is that something that can be done? And the person I was talking to, they said, well, yeah, we, we do test drives of Ferraris. And I said, well, I've heard something. Uh, by the way, I haven't done it yet. And if Lisa finds out that I want to do it, she might have some comments about the way I drive. So just, uh, you know, honey, if you're watching today, have mercy on me. You know, this is, this, wouldn't that be cool? We could take a test drive in a Ferrari. A anyway, I asked the person on the other end of the line. I said, um, now, I've heard something about Ferraris. I don't know if it's true or not, but do they come with like a built-in speed inhibitor, you know, that, that keeps it from being able to reach its full potential until, you know, you've made the, last, the payment on the vehicle and then you can take it out. And uh, by the way, parents, I also have learned that the school buses of Dade County come equipped with speed inhibitors. 
That's good news, isn't it? That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. We say thank God for that, and we pray his blessing over all of our school buses and all of the kids that are on them and all of the schools to which they go. Um, but my point in the illustration is this, is this, that when you say yes to God's will, he's not going to shut down your potential like a speed inhibitor. He's going to unleash it and say, now come with me and let me show you what this baby can do. God's will is intended to bless. And Jesus taught not just it, it, that it doesn't matter how long your life is or how short your life is, where you are in life but that every life matters and can be filled with the fullness of God's will, the living of God's will. But it's not how long you live, but how you live that makes the difference. And that quality of life is available to you. You can choose to know and do God's will every day and every time you pray. He said this, this is how you should pray. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's like you can pray this every day. You can get up and say, now, Lord, today, like every day, every day in every way, thy will be done in my life. Are you facing trouble today? God has a plan. God has a dream. God has a will not to leave you in trouble, but to take you through trouble. Are you needing direction or protection or provision or guidance in decision-making? Jesus said God's will holds the answer for you. Knowing God's will is significant. And in fact, it was so, it, this is Jesus' priority every day of his life. This was front of the line priority. John chapter six, here's what Jesus says about the will of God. I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. So Jesus' life is all about God's will. And this is the will of him who sent me. That I should lose none of all of those he has given me, but raise them up. In the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone, everyone that looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. Not just long life, quality of eternal life. That's what that means. And then I will raise Him up. God isn't about shutting us down. He's about raising us up. And this is the mission Jesus lived in fulfillment of the will of God. So that every one of us, everyone that's listening and watching today can not be lost when this life is done, but can be raised up as we welcome his will into our lives. He welcomes us into eternal life. God wants you in on his will forever. You're not, you weren't born just for here and now. You were born for God and for forever. And his will is the way there. Jesus talked about this in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7. Maybe you know this verse, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about religion, being real religious all the time. But he says this, but only the one who does what? The will of my Father who is in heaven. Doing the will of God in this life will keep you living an eternal quality of life even when this life yields to the next life. This is why it matters so much. So, okay, but here's another thing. Maybe you've wondered, how can I know that Jesus is a real thing? You know, how can I know that Jesus is really God, from God, is of God, and speaks as God? How can I know that? I've wondered that. Have you? 
Here's what Jesus says, John chapter 7, verse 16. My teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. And anyone who chooses to do the will of God, there's the first thing, choose to do the will of God, then what happens? You will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Jesus is inviting each one of us into a, a, an experimental lab, the laboratory of life, where every day of life we get to say, by choosing the will of God, he's inviting us in to the discovery of, uh, of who God is and what God has, and the proof comes in the doing. So you say, well, how can I choose to do God's will? Well, I don't even know what it is yet. And the answer is we do it by faith. We do it by faith and love, just like a couple that presents themselves to be married. They don't know everything about each other, but they know enough to believe and trust in the love they promise. And so likewise, we're invited to trust God's love and say, Lord, I believe you have what's best for me in mind, and I want that in my life. Now, you may think that's too much to do for today, but Jesus says, okay, if you really want to know the will of God and know that I come from God, when you lean that way, when you posture your life to lean toward God in that way, then that's part of the response that's going to come. You're going to get to know some things that you don't know just yet. First, you're going to get to know the source of his teaching that you'll discover, oh, God is at work in his teaching and God is at work in me through it. And you're going to get to know on a higher level. God's ways are higher than our ways, but he wants to bring us into his ways. That's what the will of God is for. And then God will make himself known to you. So as you align your life to follow the North Star of his will, then God is going to make himself known and he's going to show you his will. What that means is when you really want the will of God, don't forget this you will have a harder time missing it than finding it. When you want it, Jesus is going to see to it that you get in on it. More about that later in the series, but here's what Jesus said. Ask, seek, and knock. Everyone who asks receives. Everyone. Everyone who seeks, I mean really, not pretending, but seeks, then you find and to everyone who knocks, the door is open. That door of opportunity is going to come open. And what Jesus is essentially saying is, man, when you want God's will, it will find you. God's will finds you. So this series is going to be about that. How can God's will find you? And we're going to look at some key New Testament passages where it clearly says the will of God. See, we know the will of God as we get to know the word of God. But I also got to tell you this. The will of God isn't just about knowing a book. It's about knowing the living God through the book, beyond the book, and listening to his spirit voice as then it's confirmed in the Bible. We'll talk about that some more. It's like the Bible is a telescope. You know, you've heard of the Hubble telescope. The Bible is a spiritual telescope. And you look through the telescope not to say, wow, don't I have a cool telescope? You know, maybe astronomers sit around comparing their telescopes. But we look through the telescope to say, oh, look at the awesome heavenly reality and bring it closer. That's what the Bible is supposed to do for us. Jesus taught us that you can invite the heavenly reality to get closer in your space by praying like this, your will be done in my life and even in the toughest times. Even in the toughest times, like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he went to the cross, toughest night of his life, 
but he was still praying there, what? Not about my will, thy will be done. He was saying, Lord, every day in every way, thy will be done in my life, even the tough days, this day. Now, that's what Jesus taught. What did Peter say? Peter was a disciple. What did Jesus say? He said he'd learned from Jesus. This is what we're supposed to do. If you're following Jesus, then you're supposed to follow his example that he has modeled for us how we're supposed to live. And so he says Jesus has left us an example, so we follow in his steps. Young people, you heard of WWJD? This is the verse that inspired what would Jesus do. This is where it comes from. How do I get in on God's will? Okay, and then... um, Apostle John, he was another great fisherman who traveled with Jesus. And here's what he said. It's not just about knowing God's will. He says the blessing is in doing it. So in the upper room, John said this. He heard Jesus say this. John chapter 13, verse 17. Now that you know these things, as you make new discoveries, you will be blessed if you what? Do them. Thy will be done. Not just studied, not just memorized, but done. So the blessing is in the doing. That's where we're going with this series. And then the author of Hebrews, he quotes Jesus saying to Father God this, here I am. I have come to do your will. There's a prayer Jesus prayed that every one of us can pray. You get up in the morning, you stretch, you wash the sleep out of your eyes, and you say, Lord, today I want to be about your will. This is how Jesus lived. And then you know what he did next? The next verse says that he sets aside the first covenant that he might institute the second covenant, the one that we celebrate every time we take communion. And here's what he said, by that will, by God's will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. It's the power of God's will when Jesus fulfilled it. And then the writer of Hebrews makes the will of God the muscle of this amazing teaching. I mean, if you... As a Bible reader and a Bible student, you're going to discover that Hebrews is like a great freight train, and it's loaded with lots of theological heaviness. But have you seen those freight trains that are those long trains, and they got such heavy loads that they got like not one, two, three locomotive engines at the front of the train, right, young people? You've seen those, children? And have you watched them long enough to discover that at the end of the train, there's not a caboose? What's at the end of the train? Another engine. I mean, that train is so heavy that it's being pulled and pushed by the engine. That's the book of Hebrews. It's got this powerhouse engine leading the train and then another engine at the very end of it and a benediction of this end of the train of thought engine. Here's what the writer says, Hebrews 13, verse 20. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what baptism represents, coming back from the dead. And that great shepherd of the sheep, look what he says, equip you with everything good for doing his will. What? You mean the entire new covenant was unleashed by God and the engine of his spirit so that you, you could be equipped for everything good for the doing of his will. And then he says, and may he work in us that which is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ. To him be glory forever and ever. Eternal impact. Now what's the great apostle Paul say about it? See, we're just picking off what the New Testament tells us. What does he say about the will of God? Well, one of my favorite passages, this is worth memorizing, young people, about the will of God. 
You know, if the book of Romans was a mountain range, then Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 is the summit. It's like the highest peak, the highest elevation. Everything that came before was building to this point. And here's what the verse says. Therefore, Paul says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the, uh, by the mercy of God, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. But don't conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. He shows us how to get in on it, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So God's will, according to the Apostle Paul, is good, it's pleasing, it's perfect. Now let's unpack those just for a second. To offer God your body to God, which is an act of worship, he says, means to make yourself available. You know, your body contains everything that makes you, you. And Paul is saying is, God has given everything he has to you. Would you respond by offering your body everything that makes you, you? You just say, Lord, here I am. I'm here for you with my life. Now, good is a word that simply means good for you. You know, it's healthy. It's like what they say about milk. Milk, it does a body good. Or what they say about your vegetables, you know, eat your vegetables, they're good for you. And uh, then the next word is pleasing. Pleasing, which means unlike some vegetables, the will of God also tastes good. You know, you don't want to spit it out. You, it's pleasing. When you've tasted it, you want more. You're going to tend to say, oh, seconds please. Because it's pleasing when you taste it and you want more of it, right, in your life. You don't want to spit it out. Now, that doesn't mean that it's easy. There are days when God's will will be hard. Jesus was doing the will of God when he took up a cross and died on it. But its results were very pleasing. And we're here as testimony to that. Testimony that God was bigger than the pain, bigger than the problems of human sin, and bigger than death. So he brought pleasing out of his good will. The next word is perfect. Now this isn't in the sense of perfectionism. You know, we get, we're not supposed to get obsessed with somehow being flawless. That's not what this is talking about. It simply means complete, that nothing is missing. Maybe your family enjoys like mine does, uh, that you like putting puzzles together, jigsaw puzzles together. We did this on vacation actually, coming out of this. Boys, you might remember that if you're, you're watching right now. Uh, and you know, and part of putting a puzzle together, the fun of putting a puzzle together is getting to put in the last piece. It's a big deal at our house. I don't know if it is at yours. But whoever has the last piece, you know, there's that empty space, they get to put it in, we go, woo. Um, Unless the puzzle is missing, and you never know if the piece is missing until the last person, and then what do you do? Man, you start looking all around the table, you start looking under the chairs, you start wondering, did the dog get it and chewed it up, and now it's all, Ugh. you know, it's like messy. Or the worst is this, when you discover that the piece is missing because it wasn't included in the box. Has that ever happened? It's happened to us. It wasn't in there. All the pieces are right here, except that one's missing. That's the worst. What does this word mean, perfect? It means that all the pieces are in the box. That everything you need for your life, 
and its fulfillment is in the will of God. You won't have to look outside the will of God to find satisfaction and pleasure and goodness. It's all in the box. So suddenly it becomes very significant to know when you're trying to put the pieces of the puzzle of your life together, it's significant to know that what's in the box, you, you need to know that. What's in the box? And then you need to know, well, how does it fit together? And then you need to know, and what is my part in it? You know, how do I get in on it? Well, that's what we're going to be looking at in this series. And Paul tells us here, it takes three things. You use your body, you use your mind, and you use your will. You offer your body to God because it contains everything that makes you you. And then you let God start working on your mind to correct and guide and direct. And then you test and approve. That's enacting your will. So it's like saying this, Lord, I offer myself to you, invite you to renew my mind, to guide my thinking, to engage my imagination. Don't let me be shaped by the pressure of culture around me, but transform me from the inside out. That's the prayer that says, yeah, I want in on this. I heard a speaker say one time, you know, most of us need a checkup from the neck up to eliminate stinking thinking. That's so true. Every so often, got to do a checkup from the neck up and eliminate the stinking thinking and then allow God to bring some new thinking. I heard uh, Richard Halverson, the longtime chaplain of the United States Senate, speaking one time, and this is what he said. He said, you know, only 10% of people really think. Most just repeat what they heard somebody else say. And then he said, the rest only think they're thinking when really they're just rearranging their prejudices. Close quote. Now, I'm thinking what Paul is saying, don't just rearrange your prejudices. Learn to think a new way. Let God guide your thinking. Let God renew your mind. Let God transform your life. And don't be conformed to the culture that's trying to squeeze you into its mold, but be transformed for the wholeness of eternal life that he has to offer. So offer your body, renew your mind, engage your will in the will of God. Test and approve. What does that mean? That means experiment. That means it's like what you do before you get in the shower. What do you do? You check the water. You find out, is it too hot? Is it too cold? Is it just right? Then you get in. You test, and then you approve. It's the same thing he's talking about here. This is what you do. It involves active experimentation. It's what you do when you buy new shoes, you know. You try them on. You check their width for your, you know, you check, make sure the arch is in the right. You check, make sure there's room for your toes, you know. And then you might look at them in the mirror. And, but chances are you don't purchase a new pair of shoes until you try them on. And I'm thinking, you're thinking, well, I'll buy them online. Well, you probably don't buy them without walking in them. Amazon Prime Wardrobe, I discovered, offers a seven-day try-on period. But you probably already know about that. You get seven days to try them on, walk around in them. What are they doing? They're saying, will you find out if these are good, acceptable, and perfect to you? This is what disciples do with the will of God. Paul says, you got to try it on. Now, for the next five Sundays from now, we're going to be looking at places in the New Testament where the Scripture clearly says, this is the will of God. And what I'm going to be praying as you try it on is that God will help you find the pathway to fulfillment in his will in your life. And your part is to be available. 
God is not so much interested in our ability as he is our availability. Are you open? Do you want it? Will you let him guide your thinking? Will you let him change your mind? Will you let him lift you higher and then test and approve? You know, step out, step up, step in. Take the walk of faith. That's what we do. Follow the steps as he shows you how it works. Now, boys and girls, I'm thinking of you right now. When you go to a store and those automatic doors open in front of you, you know how that works? They have something that detects your forward motion toward the doors. And when it senses you are stepping that way, then the doors automatically open. The reason I'm telling you that is because that's how the will of God is. When you take a step in God's direction, ask, seek, knock. When you take a step of faith forward, then he says that's when the doors open. And that's what I'm saying. This is about what you do, not just what you're thinking or what you're hearing, but how you're moving. And when God detects that you are moving from your heart his direction, then he sees to it that his will finds you there. So that's what, what's your next step today? Maybe it's this, just starting to pray every day this week. Lord, today, every day, in every way, will your will be done in my life? Now I'm thinking as I've been praying that and preparing these messages, one new learning that's already surprised me in studying this is that the word that represents will of God in the Greek language here, it really it carries with us the sense of best offer. Just imagine this. God is sitting down with you, and he's saying, here's my best offer for your best life. Would you like in? You want in? Now, imagine yourself saying, yes. And then what do you start discovering? You start discovering that God's best offer can get better <laughs> with every day that you're in it. But you taking that step is where it begins. And as we're taking that step together, you know, as, as we pray always around here for our church, that we could ask that God's will be done in our church as together we make this journey and, and fight more heaven to fill our church in the days ahead. Amen? Pray with me. Gracious God, thank you for the gift of your life for our lives. Thank you for the gift of your son. Thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you for the gift of your spirit. Thank you that you have a will that you would love to see unleashed in our lives for every person, every man, woman, every young person, every boy and girl, that no one is too young to take their next step into your will. And so we pray today for somebody who knows that they want something different from what they've been experiencing. And maybe it's God's will. Your spirit is speaking to them. Maybe it's God's will. What should I do, Lord? Well, here's the prayer that I will offer. Jesus said that I am standing at the door and I am knocking. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and we will fellowship the journey, the Christ journey starts there when you invite Christ into your life. And perhaps that's the choice you need to make right now. If so, here's the prayer you can pray. Lord Jesus, come into my life. 
Forgive my sin. Fill me with your spirit. I want to turn away from trying to do life without you to learning how to do life with you and see the will of God fulfilled in me. Come into my life. I receive you as my Savior and my Lord. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I'm asking God's blessing upon you. May God find you with his will and use this series to help you know how to take the next steps. We make the prayer in your name, Jesus. Amen.